0: section 19 of the day before yesterday this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by julie miheva the day before yesterday by richard middleton on going to bed when the winter fires were burning their merriest in the graves or when the summer sun was melting to crimson shadows down in the western fields we pressing our noses on the window-panes in placable discussion of the day's cricket or dreaming our quiet dreams on the playroom floor would hear a heart-breaking pronouncement fall tonelessly from the lips of the olympians come children it's time you were in bed it needed no more than that to bring our hearts to zero with a run and set our lips quivering in eloquent but supremely useless protest against this decree there was we knew no appeal and we pleaded our hopeless cause rather from habit than from any expectation of success and even while we uttered passionate expressions of our individual wakefulness and vowed our impatience for the coming of that golden age when we should be allowed to sit up all night we were collecting the honoured toys that shared our beds in mournful recognition of the inevitable it wasn't that we had any great objection to bed in itself but that fate always decreed that bedtime should fall in the brightest hour of the day No matter what Intinissan conflicts, whether with the Olympians or each other, had rendered the day miserable, when bedtime drew near, the air was sweet with the spirit of universal brotherhood, as though in face of our common danger we wished to propitiate the gods by means of our unwanted merit. Feuds were patched up, confiscated property was restored to its rightful owner, and brother hailed brother with a smiling countenance and that genial kind of rudeness that passed with us for politeness. This was the time of day, too, when the more interesting kind of Olympian would make his appearance—uncles, at least we called them uncles, who could perform conjuring tricks and tell exciting stories, and aunts who kissed us, but had a compensating virtue in that they had been known to produce unexpected sweets. The house that might have been a gloomy prison of dullness during the long day became, by sudden magic, entertaining and happily alive. The kitchen was fragrant with the interesting orders that come from the cooking of strange adult viands. The passages were full of strong men, who could lift small boys to the ceiling without an effort, and who would sometimes fling sixpences about with prodigal lavishness. The whole place was gay, with parcels to be opened, and lively, if incomprehensible conversation. And ever while we were thrilling to find that our normal environment could prove so amusing— the olympians would realize our existence in their remote areas of thought and would send us stricken with barren germs of revolt to our uneventful beds on me as the youngest of the brothers the nightly shock should have fallen lightly for i was but newly emancipated from the shameful ordeal of going to bed for an hour in the afternoon and i could very well remember though i pretended i had forgotten the sensations of that drowsy hour when the birds sang so loudly outside the window, and the sun thrust fingers of dusty gold through the crannies of the blind. I should therefore probably have been reconciled to the common lot, which spelt advancement to me, had I not newly discovered the joy of dreaming those dreams that men have written in books for the delight of the young. The Olympians were funny about books. They gave them to us, or at the least smiled graciously when other people gave them to us, but the moment rarely arrived when they could endure to see us reading or spoiling our eyes as their dreadful phrase ran and especially at nightfall when the shadows crept in from the corners of the room and made the pages of the dullest book exciting it was inviting an early bedtime to be detected in the act of reading as sure as the frog was about to turn into a prince or the black enchantress had appeared with her embarrassing christening present the book would be taken from my hands and i would be threatened with the compulsory wearing of old maidish spectacles an end that would make me an object of derision in the eyes of men. And even if I shut the book of my own accord, and sat nodding before the fire, working out the story in my own fashion, with someone I knew very well to play the part of hero, some ruthless adult would accuse me of being half-asleep already, and the veil of illusion would be torn beyond repair. In wintertime the bedroom would seem cold after the comfortable kingdom of the hearthrug, and the smell of scented soap was a poor substitute for the friendly fragrance of burning logs. So we would undress as quickly as possible and lie cuddled up in the chilly bedclothes, holding our own cold feet in our hands as if they belonged to somebody else. But if it happened that one of us had a bad cold, and there was a fire in the bedroom, we would keep high festival sitting in solemn palaver round the campfire and toasting our pink toes like Arctic explorers while the invalid lay in bed crowing over his black currant tea or hot lemonade it was pleasant too when natural weariness had driven us to our beds to lie there and watch the firelight laughing on the walls and the invalid for the time being was rather a popular person in summer time getting into bed was a far more complex process for the youth of the night held us wakeful and if the weather were warm bed was an undesirable place as soon as we had exhausted such coolness as lingered in the sheets, then we would devote ourselves to pillow fighting, which was, I think, a more humorous sport for elder brothers than for younger, or we would express our firm intention of sleeping all night on the floor under tents made of the bedclothes. The best of this resolution was that it made bed seem so comfortable when we climbed back after the first fine romance of camping out had worn off. Thunderstorms were loved with a love not touched by awe and we would huddle together at the window measuring the lightning appraising the thunder and listening to the cold thresh of the rain on the garden below there were rare nights nights of great winds when we would suddenly realize that fear had entered into the room and that after all we were children in a world of men our efforts to talk resulted in tremulous whispers that bred fear rather than elated and though we would not even then admit it we knew that we were possessed with a great loneliness sooner or later some cunning spirit would suggest a pilgrimage to the realms of the olympians and treading the warm stair-carpet with our bare feet we would journey till we heard the comforting sound of their laughter and the even murmur of their conversation sometimes we would stay there till we grew sleepy and the fear passed away so that we could tiptoe back to bed wondering a little at ourselves sometimes the olympians would discover us comfort our timid hearts with rough words and sweet biscuits in the morning we would pretend that the whole business had been only an adventure and we were not above bragging of our courage and daring the eye of the grown-up people but we knew better End of section 19.